Hello, and welcome to the High Street Community Church Podcast. We're so excited you're learning alongside us, and we pray this message leads you closer to the Lord and others. High Street Community Church is simply a family of friends following Jesus. God bless you as you listen. Good morning. So a few years ago, um, the deacons and I and a few others got together, and we were really praying and seeking the Lord's, you know, give us, what, what do you want us to do next? And one, we came up with three things that day and have worked and prayed through those. And one of those was that High Street Community Church would be a greenhouse for a nonprofit ministry. We didn't have one in mind. We just thought this is a good place. We have facilities. We have people. We have connections. And can we um, come alongside some sort of a nonprofit that would be within our church, you know, attend our church, participate, and then also we would have a sense of sending them out and helping them do whatever ministry it is that God would put on their hearts. And um, as God does, he not only authors dreams, but he provides for them. And uh, Dave and Carrie Lipman, who I'll have come up here in just a second, they started coming to High Street around that time and had connections um, with us through Mount Hermon, and, and that's where Carrie works up at Mount Hermon. And long story short, they lead our college and young adult ministry. Can I get some cheers from the college young adult? Uh, Dave is our office manager. Can I get a cheer from the office? And then they're both um, Talbot Seminary graduates, which is one of the seminaries that I went through, so I'll cheer for that. Great school. And they came here also with a desire, because they've got training in their heart, to launch a ministry called Soul Care. And I'm not going to talk about it, because I'd fumble through it, but I'd love for them to come up, and I've got a couple questions for them um, that I'd like them to answer, and then Dave's going to preach. So, uh, first question, why Soul Care? And um, why get training for this? Why soul care? Yeah, it's a great I mean, question. actually, Frank kind of let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> well done, Frank. Yeah, Frank gave a great um, introduction into what we want to be doing. I don't know if you have any initial thoughts, Love. Um, well, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons that led us into soul care. I think initially, take going through our master's degree, we both got to be students together at Talbot Seminary, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot, a large part of our program was to do practicum and be spiritual directors, um, which that part of the degree was called soul care. So that's what helped kind of like launch us into this desire to meet with individuals and to be more clear for those of you who are new to the idea of spiritual direction. It really is the opportunity for us as spiritual directors to journey with individuals um, by helping enable them to better listen and discern to the voice of Jesus in their current circumstances, while also helping integrate our knowledge of who God is, our beliefs of who he is, with our um, current experiential experiences of God. So more specifically, it's like if we have a belief of and, and read scripture and embrace the belief that God is good, but our experiences might feel contrast to seeing his goodness, um, what does that look like to journey with God through, through those two tensions? 
um, and be able to better like pay attention to his voice in all the different circumstances of life. Um, so that's kind of more specifically what, as spiritual directors, our goal is to help um, help be on that journey by looking at the map of your of people's hearts together and helping point out and notice. And if we believe that God speaks, then let's sit and listen. Let's pay attention in different ways um, through individual and through group spiritual direction. That's another thing that um, we are hoping to begin to offer um, is to be able to facilitate and um, train what it looks like to discern on people's behalf and with individuals in a group what God's doing and being able to pay attention together and listen for each other, um, which is a really exciting, I love group spiritual direction. It's a really cool opportunity to um, listen on behalf for people. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, group direction is pretty special because you actually see someone else who's not necessarily trained listening to God on your behalf and hearing from him and noticing your story. So you can, you can both be really listened to, which is great, and then also watch God and other people, which is really cool too. Yeah, both of us started ministry too. I think back in even junior high, we started volunteering and finding opportunities to pour into our church our separate churches, um, and then going to camp ministry. We were involved six summers going and doing camp ministry and serving. And so as, as we were growing in our faith, I feel, I feel like God was um, guiding us both into um, eventually this, but mm-hmm. to what it looks like to journey with people in life. And a lot of our roles were being um, staff counselors or roles that we were pouring into individuals more specifically through the journey of, of life and one-on-one conversations. Yeah. 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 Um, one other branch that we've been developing too is spiritual guidance, which will be more of like an outreach branch of soul care. So it can be anyone in the community. They don't have to be a believer, but they can come in and talk about their spiritual journey and I think it's an opportunity to come to know God personally, but it's also just a time for them to look at their lives, look at where, um, what their gifts are, some of the ups and downs of their journey. So there's a personal development piece there, but then there's also them talking about the spiritual truths that they know and hopefully encountering the truth that is Jesus. So, yeah. The timing of this, if you just had a pastor that would talk about following Jesus. <laughs> follow me, you know, and it's hard to discern God's voice. What does God want us to do? And the couple's up here saying, hey, we've worked on that. We can help you hear God's voice and how to follow him. Second question, what does success look like for soul care? Mm. Um, I I think there's a, a fair amount of different things. It's hard to like evaluate, you know, in any church or ministry, the actual care, like how much value is in actual care of someone. Um, but we think that like being able to be able to do this on a full-time basis would be a huge sign of success. That there's enough people who are stepping into this ministry, who are coming to uh, find benefit from it. That there's a like a cycle going on where there's people, more than one person coming, many people coming. So I think that's one thing that we thought about that would be a sign of success. Um, was there any other ones that we yeah, um, developed for Yeah, I think watching it grow or seeing growth in the different areas of spiritual direction, group spiritual direction, mm-hmm. watching um, our, we have a desire to do retreats. We have a lot of training and planning spir- uh, personal retreats as well as group retreats. Mm-hmm. Um, we're hoping to stop, start up a podcast and give out, be, be able to do um, and give just free resources for people um, through our podcast, through our blog, and just, just different things. Um, 
If you go to soulcare.com, that's our website, there's a lot of that stuff already available for you. So that's a big way that we'll be getting um, soul care resources out to people. Yeah, and our hope is to continue to partner with churches and ministries and um, different church uh, leaders of groups um, to help offer maybe more discounted or even free so that people can receive care who might not be able to afford it. Um, so we've started those conversations with uh, UCSC, we'd love to like partner with ministries there mm -hmm. and just be really involved in the community and pouring into, yeah, the care in different ways. Totally. And, and you guys can also help us by helping us make some of those connections. So um, if you're connected to UCSC or if you're connected at local churches where you know that this would be a really benef a benefit to a leader or just a, a member of a church or just a local community member, like those connections and pointing them to us and getting us connected in the community would be a huge sign of success. I think. You've already started to answer yes. question three. <laughs> We're going to pray for these guys. And so the question is, how can we walk with you? Yeah. As so a church. That networking piece is, is huge. Um, I, I was thinking, we were talking about this um, on our drive here too. I, I feel like you guys have already been walking with us. So um, I probably at least almost every week someone's come to me and be like, hey, how's your soul care ministry? We've heard this has been going on. And um, so that's been huge just to have people come up and like ask how it's going and have a dialogue about it. Another thing is like High Street, and, and I think some of you guys are aware of this, has provided a space for us to use part-time to do soul care. So it's one of the upper offices right through there. Um, and it, it's going to be awesome. It's almost done. It's not completely done. Uh, but that's going to be a really safe, inviting place for people to come. And you guys, I mean, that's High Street. You guys have been a huge support in that. And then I think Carrie and I have already felt like we've had leadership over us. Danny, Norm, um, some of the other people have come along and just wanted to like pour into us. Um, so that, that type of support where it's just like looking out for where we're at and then also just praying alongside us and, and believing in us has been huge so far already. Awesome. Um, can a few of you come up? I know, it's, it's, let's see if Norm was here. Norm has been working yeah, with them. Yeah, he was here. Yep. Come on up, Norm. And any few others that want to come up and just lay hands on them as I pray for them? In your bulletin, there's a little questionnaire, and they've, uh, fill that out, because they, they want to attend to needs that are here, and so it would just help give them a sense of, here's what God's doing, um, here's what's going on in my heart, that would be great if you'd fill those out, they're in your bulletins, um, and then you can also support, the deacons have said that anybody that wants to give financially to Benevolence Fund can scholarship people to go through this, so there's ways to do that, and then of course, as you see, surrounded by this mob wow. we're going to pray for these guys so bow your heads with me and actually we've done this at a, a few churches extend your hand towards them and that's just a physical gesture of saying that you agree with and you walk with them in prayer father um, we commission this couple dave and carrie we commit them to your service we um we most of all just ask that you would shepherd them in this ministry. That means that you're going to protect them, keep them from evil, block barriers, um, except for ones that you want to use to train them and coach them. But um, would you make their path straight? And would you provide for them, whether it's finances, resources, relationships, everything that they need, as a good shepherd does, would you provide for them? And then guide them. Show them what to do, when to do it, who to do it with, all those things. We, we are limited in our abilities. Um, and so we're just as a church and, and they are, um, as a couple, coming to you saying we, we are willing, we're called, and we want to serve. We, we don't want to do any of it apart from you.
That's our prayer, and that's the blessing we pray on these two. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Go get them. <laughs> All right. Um, so again, I'm Dave. I'm, I've been really excited to get to share with you guys and just excited about this morning. Um, it's really special to be commissioned. I've been thinking more about it because of this little moment that we're going to have, like that we're being actually like co-missioned, like we all are working towards God's mission, but like to actually become, come up front and have you guys uh, pray for us and Danny ask us some questions and you guys just kind of back us up. It's just so cool to be on, on a similar mission, the same mission, God's mission together. Um, that, that's really cool from my heart. Um, and I just feel like so, so blessed by High Street. And then even as I was preparing for this message and in the commissioning time, just thinking, man, like you guys as a church have already, like Karen, I've been here two and a half years, I think. It's so impacted us um, with your support and care. Um, we just felt so loved. Like when we first walked in here, I remember um, I met Nick, which I'm sure um, almost everyone has. Uh, and and he, he said, oh, you know, we, I think Carrie and I were a couple minutes late, and he talked with us for an extra five minutes just to get to know who we were, um, which was just so cool. And then um, we, were, we were taking communion, and he, I remember, I think we went up to him and Lenny were serving at that point, and he said, Dave, you know, and he like knew my name. It was the first Sunday I'd walked in, there's like, Dave, you know, here's Christ's body broken for you. It just like blew my mind. So we felt really welcomed, we felt invited, and we've just felt utilized too. Like it's been really fun. I mean, college students, young adults, we've loved being able to serve you guys and be connected with you. And that's just been really good for our hearts here at High Street. And uh, we've seen God here. Um, our first three Sundays walking in here, Carrie and I think we snuck in the back. And it was like at these really random points in the service, we just wept. And it was like no reason. It was like, some, I mean, baptism. Someone's being baptized. That's worth crying. But we were just crying. I think it was, it was a child. I don't know who it was, but it was just this moment and it grabbed our hearts. And then someone else was doing announcements another Sunday. We just wept and we're like, what is going on? You know, three Sundays in a row. Um, but there's something about just God's presence being here in this place at High Street. And I, I know um, there are leaders here who've really developed that intentionally. And so that's already impacted us. So. And that was 2.5 years ago. It's crazy. Um, and here we are today um, being able to begin soul care ministry. So we're really excited about that. Um, today I wanted to talk to you guys about, and you've seen it in the bulletin, growing with Jesus through soul care. Growing with Jesus through soul care. Um, man, and Frank, you did a phenomenal job even um, talking about the ministry and introducing how much, how important the soul is and that God uh, deeply values our souls and who we are. Um, while at the same time, we don't always, you know, right? We, we forget we even have one sometimes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, between when we first know Jesus and, and give our lives to him, to the years of life and relationships with him and others, a lot happens. So this is the space between soul care happens um, even before conversion, but we're going to talk about specifically what happens when you give your life to Jesus and then the soul care and the years that happen between then. Um, so our question is, how does soul care help us recognize Jesus' presence and receive his care and leadership in our own stories? So how does soul care help us recognize Jesus' presence? So how do we recognize his presence and receive his care and leadership in our own stories? Um, so the main question in that is, what is soul care then? You know what, I mean, we understand a little bit what the soul is and uh, we understand what care is. Um, and I'm going to define soul care this morning is that is the work of the Holy Spirit in partnership with us to bring our whole lives 
and being under the presence, love, and authority of Jesus. So we can receive from, recognize, and realign with his purpose in our lives, in our churches, in our communities. I'll say that one more time so you guys can soak it in. Soul care is the work of the Holy Spirit in partnership with us to bring our whole lives in being under the presence, love, and authority of Jesus so that we can receive from, recognize, and realign with his purpose in our lives, churches, and communities. So soul care is pretty broad, and that's going on all over the place. It's already happening at High Street. We don't necessarily need a ministry called soul care because there's so much going on here already. Um, I mean, from you guys just did the Follow Me series of small groups. You guys are meeting in the, during the equipping hour, talking about your lives, wrestling with who God is. Um, I think one of the biggest questions Danny said that you guys talked about was like, what do you worry about? And people got really honest about what they worry about in their lives. That's the beginning of soul care. It's already kind of happening there. Um, in our college and young adult ministry, we've been doing soul care a lot, you know, just asking really solid questions, figuring out how the sermon applies to our lives. Um, so soul care in that sense is already going on. Um, but there's a, a, a deeper sense that as we recognize, and, and I mean, God's infinite, so you can always go deeper, but there's a deeper sense as we recognize God's presence in our own personal stories more and more that even more soul care begins to happen in our walk, and then also we begin to see it going on in the lives of other people. So we're going to take a look at a passage that's called the Emmaus Road. It's in Luke 24, 13 through 34. So if you guys, you can open up your Bibles there if you want. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Um, again, it's Luke 24, 13 through 34. Um, but you guys, I think, have the English Standard Version. So it's going to be slightly different, but that'll be fun. That's what I like about different translations. Um, before we jump into the passage, I would like to pray and just have our hearts um, in the right place. Jesus, we just turn our hearts to you this morning. Um, it's kind of ridiculous to think that me on a microphone would make a significant difference in anyone's life. Um, you are the one who changes lives. You initiated this whole thing. I'm up here not because I am, I'm smart, or, uh, and Danny's up here because, not because he's um, this particularly intelligent, but just because you've brought us to a place where we see what you're wanting, and we get to say that. We get to speak that. Um, we get to point that out. And I love that even when we're saying it, speaking it, you're the one that's still doing it. Like You're speaking to each one of us. And today, even before we begin, um, we open up our stories to you. We open up our, our minds to you, our thoughts to you, and just ask for you to have um, control during this time, for you to come um, and take your place in each of our hearts. Um, we ask for your presence just to rest on each of us, that you just lift any resistance to what you're wanting to say and what you're wanting to do. And I ask that you, Holy Spirit, would come and take a special place in this, that just like we define soul care being your presence working in us and with us, that we would really see that this morning as we try and spell out the details of this in your word. So open up our minds, open up our hearts, would you guide us as we listen to your word? In the name we pray. Amen. So we're going to read Luke 24, 13 through 34. And I'll read it from the New Living Translation. That same day... Oh, let me just give you background. This is right after Jesus has died and come back to life. But the disciples don't know yet, so no one knows that Jesus is alive. So that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus on the Emmaus Road, 
seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here, there in the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. They said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers this morning were at the tomb early, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering into his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Oh, so good. Oh, you guys feel the anticipation? I love this story. So I've been chewing on this story for a long time because as I've thought about soul care and spiritual direction, um, we've been trained in it. We went to school for it, which is all great. And we've been, I think we've been doing it for years anyways, which just like all of you, it's, it's, a, it's a flourishing point in the Christian life when you get to be both yourself cared for and when you get to be caring for somebody else. Um, but I've been trying to search the scriptures uh, that I've been thinking about this, and this just like passage blew up before me. So I'm going to try and share some of that, uh, what I've been seeing about soul care in this. Um, the first thing I wanted to point out in verse 21, uh, the disciples say, we had hoped. We had hoped he was the rescuer, the Messiah. We had hoped he was the Savior. So the, the, the first thing that we need to be aware of when we're, when we're stepping into soul care, thinking about soul care, is that soul care is about real issues and real conversation. Real issues and real conversation. So these guys had literally given up their entire lives. They'd given up their careers. They'd given up uh, their reputations. And they'd given up their, their time, like their lives, their literal time for this 
this Jesus figure who they thought might be the one to take Israel out of their oppression underneath the Romans. I mean, that's exciting. They sacrificed everything and they lost, right? They lost it all. From what they, they were shamed, they're walking around the, the Messiah that they thought was the Messiah is dead. For three days, I mean, that's dead, dead. You know, he's not coming back. Um, so Jesus walks up and he sees them and they, they have what, in the message translation, they talk about long faces, sad, gloomy countenance. Like, have you guys ever walked into a room and you can just tell, even if you're not hearing the conversation, these people are really, really low right now. They're really low and I'm backing out slowly, you know, or something, you know, or, or I get approached that. But that you can feel it. It's, it's, and this is what Jesus, I, I don't even think this is a supernatural thing. I just think Jesus just saw it all. It's literally like, if you look at the Greek word, it's like a facial, their, their emotions are on their sleeve. These guys have had enough real conversation for their emotions to be seen. Um, enough investment in what they uh, had followed to be affected by it, um, and affected by the bad news. And there's a, I was thinking about that, and C.S. Lewis has this great quote. He says, to love is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. I love that quote. When I was a youth pastor, I, I, my sermon was this quote. I read the quote and had the kids go discuss um, there's something so true about that. And so these real issues and having real conversation, it exposes something in us. It begins to bring our soul and our issues and our stories up to the surface. So our question, just even as we begin th- seeing this Emmaus Road story, is are, are we, are you sharing your real issues with others? Have you done that? Are you currently? Um, there may be some discouragement with that. What, what's going on? Why are you discouraged in that area? And are you having a real conversation enough so that your emotions surface? So it's not that emotions need to control, but they just come up, right? When you have a real conversation, they come to the surface. And is it enough that someone else would be able to see it? Enough that someone like Jesus walking in would be able just to read it on your natural face, your emotions don't need to always be on your sleeve, but have the conversation where they're on your sleeve. Um, what I think is so cool about that is it's scary, right? It's vulnerable, like that's what Lewis says, and, and your heart might even be broken. But when these two talk together about their stories, Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up. And I, and I think that's when soul care begins to happen. Um, Jesus, uh, I can't even read my whole handwriting. Jesus... Um, suddenly came. They don't see him yet, but when they talk about their stories, about the stuff they've walked through that they've lost, where their battles, they've been defeated, Jesus is there, but he's disguised. Weird, I know. So this comes to point two. These guys begin to retell their stories enough. They retell their stories enough to begin to receive care. So when Jesus comes and he's disguised, what's he do? He begins to ask them questions, which is a skill all of us can utilize. That's a huge part of what soul care is. It's just asking the next question, leaning in and asking another question. And this is so cool because Jesus is the one doing it in this story. You know, he's sitting there, he's asking the questions about himself, and they don't even know it's him. It's crazy. Um, and the coolest thing to me about this is that Jesus already knows the answer. Jesus already knows the answer to the questions he's asking them. 
which is almost 100% of the time, I would say, actually, not almost, 100% of the time when you're retelling your story to Jesus or if you're retelling it with somebody else, Jesus already knows the answer to the issues in your story. Right? He's not sitting there being like, oh no, you know, what's going to happen? You know, you know, as your emotions come up on your sleeve, Jesus is big enough. He's on the throne above all, above all things. He's given all power, all authority, so he can hold it all, right? So then that means we can have emotions that seem like they're going to crush us. Carrie and I talk about sometimes when you're about to cry and your face is contorting, it literally feels like the world's going to rip in half. Like, I'm just going to die if I feel this emotion right now. Um, and that's true because you actually, psychologically, you have this piece of your ideal of what you hope the situation would be, and you have the piece of the reality of what the situation actually is. And you're literally bringing together two realities. These are both dying, and you're coming to see the real thing. That's what, that's what tears are. So tears are great. Um, so let's go back to Jesus. Jesus already knows the answer to this story. He wants them. So Jesus already knows the answer which is so reassuring, but he still wants them to tell their story, which I think is really ironic. Like, if you know the answer to things, do you want people telling you the answer? Not, I don't know, really. <laughs> He's like, I already know it, thanks. I'm going to keep going with my life. Uh, but Jesus loves that interaction. He wants them to retell their story, and he wants them um, to, to tell it to him. You know, and, and sometimes we obviously don't always know it's Jesus who we're, when we're sharing a story with somebody else. Um, but that's the same thing, right? You're retelling your story to somebody else, Jesus is present, because he's present in your story. Um, but why? Why would he want you to do this? Why would he want the disciples to do this? He wants them, the disciples, and us to learn the truth about their story. So it's not just about having a story, about them thinking they know the story. He wants them to learn the truth about the story. He wants to show them who he really is, in their personal experience. So they may think they know the story of Jesus and the cross and him dying, but they didn't, right? You know, and, and it's very true for us too. Like, we may think we know our story, that it was hard, that season was long, I was alone, you know, where, where was God? But Jesus knows the real story, right? And what would it be like to tell Jesus this story. I think that's a totally different conversation. They thought, oh, Jesus was going to be the rescuer of Israel, right? But Jesus knew. He says, I'm way more than that. In almost in every circumstance in our stories, Jesus is going to say the same thing. I'm way more than that, you know? Like, God, I, I know you're good. I was disappointed, uh, you know, and I kind of see you as distant now. And God just goes, you know, I, I see that's going on, but I'm way more than that. I'm way more than what you thought your story was. These guys have walked with him for a long time. They were face-to-face -face with Jesus for three years. But there was so much more to who Jesus is that affected their personal stories that was important to him that they needed to know in order to get on with their story, right? And there's so much more for us, too, of who Jesus is that affects our personal stories that leads us into the next stage of life. And it was the retelling their story to Jesus, who they didn't know was Jesus, 
that began their ability to receive from him. So verse 25 and 27 uh, say it this way. Um, 27. Uh, he rebukes them, and then he says, uh, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering into his glory? Then Jesus took them through all the writings of Moses and the prophets explaining the scriptures and the things concerning himself. So this rebuke that he gives them, the, oh, you foolish men, was really an opening for Jesus to not only have them retell their story, but now he wants to retell their story, which is like the next layer. You know, it's cool to retell your story and be like, oh my gosh, Jesus, like I didn't even notice you were here. But now Jesus wants to retell their story back to them. And he says, um, like, I think of it this way. So their story is really his story, right? It's really that their stories are connected, that our stories are connected with Jesus. And that this story of loss for these two men was really the ground of their testimony by which they go and they change the world. So Carrie and I have an unfinished story. We've been wanting a family for a couple years. A couple sounds small. For almost five years. And that's been a hard, long journey. I'm not going to go through all of that. But a couple months ago, we had the opportunity to share that at a Mount Hermon staff retreat, because Carrie does that. Um, she's on Mount Hermon staff. And so it's like with 150-ish people, it's a lot, right? It's a lot to talk about a personal story. And um, we were nervous and emotional and praying about it, but we kept feeling like this is what God wants us to share, talk about our, honest, our, our story, our struggles right now. And um, it was hard to begin, but as we shared, we watched people really want to hear and then after we shared, we had probably 30-plus people over the next week come talk to Carrie or me, even probably 15 people that very night come up and be like, oh my gosh, like it was so nice to hear you talking about an unfinished story and how God is involved. And so we often feel like, oh, we can't tell our stories until they're done. But there's a power in the unfinished story. Um, and, and I think for us, when we shared it, something shifted. We probably felt peace. There's this weird sense of peace for like two, two-ish weeks, like straight. It was just like, you know, because the stories are up and down. We all have that. But it was just like, you know, like crazy peace. I mean, there's that verse, you know, when, when you lay your anxieties before the Lord, uh, the peace that passes understanding will come and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that literally happened. And, and now we really feel like, even more than ever, as we've shared our story, that it's his story. It's not, and there's a burden that's lifted from that that now it's his, like it's on God's shoulders. And we've shared it with him, we've shared it with others. It's his story. Um, and so Jesus died for this sort of thing to happen. Like he died to carry, and carried our sins and sufferings, conquered death and reigned so that we can share our stories with hope. And so that he can retell your story as his own. So he died so that you could share your story with a new hope, and so he can retell your story as his own. Man, it's beautiful. The last thing that happens in this passage is that um, these disciples, they beg Jesus to come, come stay with us. They've been walking for long enough for it to be the evening. And uh, so they ask Jesus, come stay with us. And then they break bread and their eyes are opened. The passage actually says, um, then he broke the bread, gave it to them. 
Suddenly their eyes were open, they recognized him. Suddenly their eyes were open, they recognized him. Danny and I were talking about this this, this week. That word is a Greek word, um, dianoigo. Dianoigo. Pretty cool, huh? Dia means through, and noigo means completely, completely open or completely broken or completely split. So there's this idea almost like double doors, like when you walk through both of those, like wide open, and there's an implication that it's not going to close again. So it's like wide open, never to be closed. You can even translate it almost like as the word breakthrough, like there's been a breakthrough, 100%. Um, so Dianoigo was this like really cool word to think, oh my gosh, these guys suddenly realized they saw the face of Jesus. Oh my gosh, it's him. He's alive. He's alive. I didn't even realize this. And then um, verse 32 says this, and they reflect suddenly in that moment, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? The funny thing is that word explained and the word eyes opened is the same word, dianoigo. So there's something about us seeing the face and the person of Jesus in our experience and our story, as well as dianoigoing him in the word. There's a sense that Jesus is person can explain this in a way that, that we can't get on our own, right? And so Danny talked about it. It's like the Word is the Bible, and the Word is the word Jesus, like the logos they talk about in Greek. Um, so there's something amazing about that moment of recognition. And our recognition, our dianoigo, when our minds, the, the things just open up, um, that begins for us our realignment with the person of Jesus and his word in our lives. So there's this moment after we retell our stories when we recognize Jesus and we begin to realign with who he is in, in his word. And the cool thing is for these guys, the next book in the Bible, not in this, but for Luke who wrote the book of Luke, is the book of Acts, right? So there's a sense that as they come to know Jesus, as they know his word, as they hear his voice, as they experience soul care, that then the book of Acts begins to take place. And if any of you guys know what happened in the book of Acts, God is so active. You just see God take over the story in a way he hadn't at this part, you know, the, the older part. You don't see him, I mean, you see him as involved, but Acts, you know, it's called the book of Acts for a reason. Um, so, uh, lastly, I just wanted to end with these verses. I think these verses put to words what happened to these disciples in that moment and also what happens um, in our times of soul care. So 2 Corinthians, um, there's a verse from chapter 4 and a verse from chapter 3 that I wanted to read to you. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says this. Um, this is what I see, like I just see God doing to these disciples in that Dionoigos moment. Um, it says, For God who said, this is 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. He's made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. And as we see the face of Jesus, we begin to reinterpret our stories. The other one is 2 Corinthians um, 16 through 18. It says, whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see 
and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Would you pray with me as we end up? Jesus, we again, um, as we've talked with you about your word, love thinking of you being involved in our stories. And we might be blind to it now. We might just have a fog or um, a haze over certain areas. We might have even, you know, emotionally cut certain things out and pretended they're not there. But you, you know our stories. And you know who you are in our stories. And we just invite you as we have these real issues, as we begin to have some real conversations, to reveal yourself, that we would, we would see you um, in, in receive from you. We would recognize your voice and we would even see spiritually your face and we would open up our hearts and our minds to your word. Jesus, there's so much that you want to be doing in our stories and we could spend eternity and we will reviewing these and seeing where you were and what you've done. And we just thank you for the restore, restoration work that you're doing here at High Street and in each one of these people's stories that, that we, are, we are yours. And we just invite you to take this work deeper, to make it more thorough, and to give us, each one of us, a boldness, a bravery, even a confidence in what you've done to take our stories and make them your own. We thank you that our story is your hist- history. It's your story. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the High Street Community Church weekly message. We hope you were encouraged to follow Jesus. For more, please subscribe to our podcast or visit us online at hscchurch.org.